Well, good morning, everybody. Are you feeling good today? Yes. Come on now, are you feeling good today? Yes. All right, that's what I like to hear. Well, it's great to see you this morning. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you're having a great summer. And uh, as Pastor Matt said, we're in the middle of a uh, sermon series called Heat Index, and we're talking about some of the, some of the issues uh, in relation to God and, and faith and, and where we're at in this whole journey. And, and so as I was preparing for the sermon this morning, I uh, took a little break, and I don't know if we have any baseball fans in here, but, but I flipped on a game and I was just taking, I see you back there. And so, so I was taking a little time out and I was watching baseball and it went to a commercial break. And uh, was kind of checked out during this, but I, I kind of snapped back into to paying attention what was going on when they got to, they were advertising a medicine. And you know that half of the commercial is telling you about all the great things that the medicine does, and then the other half is about all of the potential side effects that go along with this. And so... I, and I was trying to figure out, because I didn't pay attention on the first half of the, of the commercial, and I was trying to figure out, okay, what is it that they're talking about here? And because, listen, listen to these side effects. Depressed mood, trouble concentrating, sleep problems, crying spells, aggression, and agitation. And I was kind of feeling like, hey, you're describing me. Um, but it goes on and it says changes in behavior, hallucinations, thoughts of suicide or hurting yourself, sudden numbness or weakness, especially on one side of the body. I don't know why it like just does half, but that's a crazy side effect. Blurred vision, sudden and severe headache or pain behind your eyes, sometimes with vomiting, hearing problems, hearing loss, ringing in your ears, seizures, severe pain in your upper stomach, spreading to your back, nausea, vomiting, fast heart rate, loss of appetite, dark urine, clay-colored stools, jaundice, fever, chills, body aches, flu symptoms, purple spots under your skin, easy bruising or bleeding, or joint stiffness, bone pain, or fractures. Now, I'm thinking... When I hear all of this, I'm thinking, man, this has got to be some serious medicine for some serious problem. And you know what it was for? It was for a topical acne medication. And I'm thinking, what I immediately go to is I'm thinking, wow, that kind of sounds a little bit like life. You know, you're kind of going along, everything's good, you know, nothing's out of the ordinary. And then all of a sudden, bam! Something happens, something hits us, some, some crisis, some thing happens. Have you ever felt like that? You were just blindsided as you're going along. Everything's great, and then all of a sudden you just get slapped up and side the head, and, and, and life crashes in on you. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning in and, and, and one of our subjects is, is why does God allow suffering? Now, it doesn't matter if you've been saved forever or you're new to the faith. At some point in time, don't we ask ourselves the question, why is God allowing this to happen? Or what's going on here? Or we have some form of question as to, Lord, what is up? And, and I will just tell you, I spent 20 years uh, prior to coming here as a worship pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor in, in Colorado Springs. And, and 
at the end of that 20 years, we went into a period where we literally lost everything. We lost all of our finances, friends. We lost a home in Colorado. We, you know, I, I thought we experienced little moments of darkness and turmoil in our lives until we went into that seven-year period where it just is like, Lord, what is going on here? I've given my life to serving you and serving the church and doing all this stuff. What in the world? This is the thanks I get. And you know what? Let me just tell you, God is not threatened by those kinds of conversations. He's big enough. The Bible says, come, let us reason. Let's sit down together. Let's talk about it. And so don't ever feel bad or guilty when there's a, when there's a sit down with God and just say, Lord, what is going on here? But we went into that period, and those are the questions that I was asking. Lord, what's going on? I don't understand how, how I've tried to be faithful to the call you've placed on my life. I've tried to be a good man. I've tried to be a good husband. I've tried to be a good father and a brother and son and all of these different things. What is the deal? And so, so we get into those seasons of our lives where we're trying to figure it out. It feels like we're living the symptoms of some medication and we're just trying to survive. And this morning... We want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about this, but suffering and hardships are one of the constants that we have to deal with in our lives. And in fact, the Bible is very clear about setting that expectation for us. In fact, Jesus himself in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. That's pretty clear. And, that's, and we see in the life of Jesus how even he was like, Lord, if there's any other way that I can get through this thing without having to walk through all the suffering and the pain, sign me up for that. I'd rather have that way. But yet we know that he walked through it and he was faithful. And in 1 Peter 5.10, and it says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And then finally in Psalm 34, 19, it says, The righteous person may have troubles, but the Lord delivers him from, that, from them all. And the reality is that we don't have to look very far to see suffering. We see it on a global scale. We see it in natural, uh, in nature. We see it on a personal level for the things that we go through. We see the atrocities of genocide and murder and human trafficking, famine, floods, earthquakes, all of these different things. Even today as we sit in here, there are an, there are an estimated 44 million images and videos of children being sexually abused on the internet. And the predators trade images like baseball cards. And then we see things like there are 11 murder-suicides every day in the U.S., and we see things like the rise in school violence. We know that in 2018, over 1.7 people were diagnosed with cancer. And there are people in this room that are fighting that fight. 
And then on a more personal level, we see loved ones going through things and we, we question what that is. You know, one of the things that I questioned with, with the Lord and we sat down and had a little discussion is my mom and my sister-in-law got cancer at the same time. And both of them were ovarian cancer. We prayed for my mom. She was healed. And we prayed for my sister-in-law with the same fervency, and she passed away seven years after she married my brother. So we see things like that in, in, in our lives that touch us in a way. And, and it was difficult for me to see my mom healed of cancer, but then go right into dementia and die of complications of dementia. And so you, it brings up questions, Lord, why? What is the purpose in this? And let me tell you, though none of us are immune from suffering and hardship in the world, let me tell you this morning, there is hope. Whatever situation in, I know there are people in this room this morning, statistics would tell us that there are people in this room that are suffering, uh, suffering physically, suffering through tragedy or heartbreak in their lives. Whatever it is, let me tell you this morning that God sees you. You're not forgotten. Whatever you're going through, God sees you. And I appreciate the fact that, that we serve a love, loving, and compassionate God. Aren't you grateful for that? And so this morning we want to talk about three things. Now I've taught some of this material before. The tricky part about these topics is trying to fit them in a half hour. Because they're so deep and so sprawling that, that there's a lot of theology behind this. And so I've given it my attempt to take about six weeks worth of teaching and condense it into about a half hour. That right there is a miracle in itself. So, uh, but there's three specific things we're going to talk about. Number one, the reason suffering exists in the world. How it got here. Number two, how God uses suffering in our lives. And number three, how should we respond to suffering? So let's, first of all, let's take a look at the first one. Let's look at the reason suffering enters the, in, into the world. And I want us to look in, John, or in Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 15 and 17. And this will be a familiar passage with, uh, for you. And it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And we realize that ultimately Adam and Eve go on to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, is that a surprise to anybody in here? No, we got that one, right? Say yes. All right, so we've got that one. We know that they go on and eat, eat, eat the fruit. And it was at that moment, that is the point at which the curse of sin enters the world. And we know that sin is disobedience to God. But it's also the giving of permission for evil and for the devil to work in our lives. And so even now that holds true. When we sin, it is, it is giving permission for evil as an on-ramp into our lives. 
It, but, but this whole situation here brings up two questions that I've been asked a lot over the years. And the first question, which is the obvious one, is why in the heck does God put the tree in the garden? Have you ever thought about that? Why does God, why does he put it there? And so I've been asked that so many times. And the reason that God puts the tree in the garden it's all about love. Love is the reason he puts it there. True love requires choice. True love is not mandated. And if God hadn't provided an opportunity for Adam and Eve to choose something other than obedience, it wouldn't be love. It would be forced compliance. And so he places it there because he wants to give people a choice to love him or choose not to love him. And God ultimately is willing to risk it because he knows how powerful love is. And if you look in the New Testament, we understand the power how love is the greatest commandment. We understand how Jesus always prioritized love as the greatest thing above everything else. And so his love is demonstrated in the fact that he gives us choice. He doesn't say you just, look, you just have to love me and that's the way it is. He doesn't want to do that. He wants us to recognize his love, his grace, his power, and make that choice to love him and to press into him. And the second question that it brings up is why didn't God just hit the reset button? We were at the foundation of the world. Why didn't God just say, okay, let's wipe that off the map. Let's be done with that. We'll never speak of that again, and we'll just start new. And everything's going to be great. I won't put the tree in there this time. Everything's going to be great. Well, the reason is, again, it's love. Even in the midst of sin, his love for people remains constant. Even for us today, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter any of those things. Nothing we can do can change the dynamic of God's love towards us. He values us so much that, that he's willing to stay in there and fight for us. He was willing to send his son to die for us. He's willing to, to, to put up with everything else. Because his love for us is so fierce. And so he didn't want to write them off. He wanted to win them back. And that's the same with us. You may have been told that you'll never amount to anything in your life. I don't know who told you that. I don't know why. But God is not willing to write you off. He's willing to fight for you. He's willing to express his deep love for you. He's willing to chase you down. The Bible says he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. If you're feeling hopeless this morning, that is not God doing that in your life. That's the devil doing that in your life. God is wanting to draw you in. He's wanting to pull, your cl pull you close. He's wanting to express his will, his grace, his power in your life. Isn't that a great thing? That's something to rejoice about, that we're not forgotten. We're not left on the side of the road somewhere. God is radically seeking us out to develop, have a relationship with us and to provide hope in every situation. And so he doesn't want to write us off. 
He wants to win us back. Number two, the purpose in the suffering. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. All things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Every instance of evil and suffering in the world is an opportunity for God to intervene and to show himself strong. And in the book of Genesis, we see the story of Joseph. If you've never read that or you're not familiar with that, I would encourage you to to read that story. It's a fascinating story about the journey of Joseph's life. And we see... Joseph is a 17-year-old boy who has tremendous favor with his father. He's despised by his siblings. He's sold into slavery at 17 years old. Has his ups and downs and, and crazy situations that goes on in his life for 22 years. Until circumstances reunited him with his family. And ultimately... After, at at 39 years old, he becomes the second in command in Egypt. And ultimately, God brings his family back around and uses Joseph as a blessing to his family. And so, it's such an amazing thing where at any point in that journey, Joseph could have gotten frustrated He could have cursed God. We see that even in the life of Job where even his friends were were telling Job, man, just curse God and die. Just get it over with. And so we see Joseph go through through this. But Joseph, the thing that, that is great is if you look in Genesis chapter 50 when this story is all done and and his family is repentant towards him, his response is, is, is not poking him in the eye or anything like that. His response is, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, it took 39 years for that to, for that to develop and be revealed, but ultimately God used that whole situation not only to bless Joseph, but to bless Egypt and to bless his family. And Joseph made room for God to move because he wasn't consumed by hatred or preoccupied with justice. And he continued, when he had the opportunity to curse God, he continued to honor God and to bless God in his life. And to trust God. And the craziest thing about all of this is the hardship and the suffering in our life can be the very thing that propels us into what God has called us and placed us on earth for. I view it a little bit like, a, like the engine that's out in our cars. We're going on in the inside of that engine are these explosions. And the way that it's done and the way that it's controlled inside the engine, that's the very thing that propels the car forward. And it's kind of like that in our lives, the challenges, the suffering, the hardships that are in our life. when, when, When we allow God in, when we honor God in that process, he contains those things. And those same suffering and hardships that tear some people down and destroy some people are the same suffering and hardships and explosions that cause others to be propelled forward. And the thing that makes the difference is the way that we respond. 
It's the way that we respond to the things. It's like the old saying goes, it's not what happens to a person that defines him. It's how the person responds to what, what happens to him. And so that's where we've got to take an inventory. Our response to hardship and suffering determines if it drags us down, keeps us stuck, or propels us forward. Number three, so, so we know that hardship, we know that suffering, we know where it came from. We know the purpose in that is, is growth. The Bible says that he'll take all of those things and it will, he will make them work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that that, that is one of the things that God uses to grow us, to strengthen us. And it, it requires a surrender to God and a, and a, a grace for us to say, Lord, I, I can't. I can't control this. I realized when my kids were going through addiction, I realized how little power I had. And I'm a control freak. So as a man, I'm thinking, I can control this thing. I can punish it out of them. I can set limits. I can do this. And you know what? That's all a lie we tell ourselves to to try to make us feel better about ourselves. There wasn't anything I could do. He was, my son was dying, and there was nothing I could do about it. And my daughter was dying, there was nothing I could do about it. The only thing that we could do was love them. And it's interesting because it changes your perspective when you're looking at an outside situation of addiction than when you're living right in the middle of it. Because you're an expert when you're telling somebody else how to do it. But man, you, you learn real quickly that, I don't know, I, there's nothing. I don't know what to do. Lord, I have to surrender. And that was the point at which surrender became one of the largest values in my life. Surrendering to God. Because my wisdom and my efforts fell short. They were not going to... They were not going to be. And I remember the day specifically when I just said, okay, Lord, I, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to rely on you, and I'm going to love them. And as long as they're alive, they're a ch- there's a chance. And so here's the great thing. My oldest son now after his battle, has been clean for five years, has got a great job. God was faithful in that, and I, I, I thank God for that every day when I wake up. And while we were dealing with his addiction, my daughter was uh, sexually assaulted, tried to commit suicide, and started using. And so she's been clean for going on two years now and doing amazing But here's the way that God used that in our family. My kids value family above everything else. I mean, their their love of family is just off the charts. And what it did was, I saw my kids being kids and fighting and hating one another and doing all the stuff that kids do when they're growing up. To where now their favorite thing is to get together with their brothers and sisters. There's just a fierce 
love and loyalty towards one another. And so I see the fruit of all the craziness that we live through. I see how God, I've lived long enough now to where I could, I hated it when I was going through it. You know, you go through all the stuff. You're denying, you're angry, you're, you're all of this stuff. But then I see how God takes those things. And listen, I don't know where you're at in the process, but there is hope. I can tell you as one that was hopeless. And, and you know, I, I, I have a tendency because I'm the one who lived it to look at my situation and think it was the worst. And, and I was lamenting that to a friend of mine one time. And he said, you know, I hear you. I understand your frustration. But I've got five sons and two of them are dead. And I'd cut my arm off if I could hold them one last time. And so I'm thinking my situation is terrible. And, and, and then I talk to him and it snaps me into perspective. And listen, I don't know where you're at in the process. I don't know the stuff. But listen, God loves you. And he can create beauty out of ashes. He can take what we look, view as hopeless and bring hope and healing and, and power to those things. And so what does our response to suffering need to be? Number one, we've got to draw near to God. The goal of the enemy is to create as much distance as possible between God and us. That's his goal. If the enemy knows that he can separate us from God, we don't have the strength and the stuff to be able to sustain ourselves and survive the storm. And, and here is how cunning the enemy is. If he can get us separated from God and blaming God for, for what he created, for what the devil created, that's even a bonus. That's even better. If I can separate you from the power and then get you to blame the guy that's actually trying to bring hope and trying to bring power into our lives, listen, that's the way I would do it if I was the devil. If I could create separation and, and have you blame the source of the power that you need to get you through, that, that is bonus points. Psalm 18.6 says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his, his ears. Listen, he hears us. His voice is inclined to hear us. When we speak to him, when we talk to him, he hears us. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, that peace of God is what the enemy is trying to keep you from at all costs. And the craziest thing is, I see when people go through, through tragedies and turmoils in their life, and they press into God, and it's a crazy thing when you're going through all of this craziness, but God peace, God's peace resides on you in the middle of it. Have any, has anybody ever experienced that? 
Isn't that the craziest thing how that works? It's like there are sometimes I'm thinking, okay, I should be worried about this. I should have anxiety about this. But instead, God wraps his arms around and there's a, there's a peace that comes in the middle of the storm. And that's what the enemy is trying to, is trying to isolate us from. And I, I love that scripture where it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And that's my encouragement. Wherever you're at in the process, whatever's going on, man, press into God. Seek him. Talk to him. Allow other people to speak life into your situation. Put yourself in situations where people can speak life to you. So the number one response is drawing near to God. Number two is forget the why and focus on the what. And here's what I mean by that. When we begin to take an inventory and we start to say, Lord, why is this happening to me? What happens in that? That's the, that is setting us up to become victims. And as far as I can tell in Scripture, God has not God is not trying to create victims. He's trying to create victors. He's trying to create people that are strong, that, that have uh, victory in their lives. He's trying to get strength and power and life and hope. And Jesus died to provide that for us. The Bible says he sent the Holy Spirit. Listen, everything that we need, the Bible says he's given us for life and godliness. It's provided for us. He doesn't want, God does not show himself strong in victims. So that's why we don't ask the why. The why question is, is because the Bible says there is an enemy, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Listen, there is a real enemy out there. There is real evil in the world. And the Bible says he wants to steal, kill, and destroy that's the why. Focusing on the why makes us victims. And what we do in times, how we respond in times of crisis determines who we are in times of peace. That's where character is formed. That's where faith is formed. Sometimes in churches, churches become real bad about teaching faith is how you believe to get something great in your life. Listen, sometimes the best work that faith does is keeps us steady until we get to the other side of the storm. That's where true faith is tested. The Bible says to let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen, sometimes faith is surviving, understanding that God's answer may not be here today, but it might be here tomorrow. That's what faith is. That's where faith is tested. That's where faith is grown in our lives. James 1.12 said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So we've got to stay steady. We've got to focus on the what. The what is, 
What is this producing in my life? And the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. What an incredible thing that God is available and willing to be found by us in times of crisis. The third thing that we have to do to draw near to God is to, or to, in our response to suffering, is consider the outcome. Suffering and hardship produce positive when we respond correctly. Now listen, suffering isn't the per preferred path. How many, how many of you would rather avoid it if you could? You know, you're, you, you're siding with Jesus. So it isn't our preferred path. But let me tell you this. It can produce the desired outcome in our lives. Listen, all of us would like a greater measure of peace, a greater measure of victory, a greater measure of his spirit on all, in our lives, and a greater measure of his moving in our lives. And the way that God does it is, listen, one victory, he'll get you through one thing, and he begins to stack one victory on top of another victory. And we find ourselves gaining strength through the process. And I'm here to tell you, in Romans 5.34, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given us. Listen, those are three things that, that don't make you a worse person. Perseverance, character, and hope. Yeah, I want more of that. That is the desired outcome that I desired for my life. The problem is I've got to walk through the garbage and stay steady and grow in my faith with God to be able to get there. And that's my encouragement to you this morning. Is man, stay steady. I feel like maybe somebody in this room, you're at that point of decision where you're like, man, I just want to give up. My encouragement to you is to stay steady. God is faithful. Stay steady. Because the great thing is, God, 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 does, bring, God does bring his power. He manifests his power in our lives here. But listen, there's a greater glory. God is not finished. There's a greater glory. You know, the interesting thing about this is that Jesus... God didn't come create a new world. He didn't come to redeem the world. He comes to redeem people. Because that's where his love is. So he doesn't care about the world. He doesn't care. Suffering exists. But God loves people. And if you've known me for any length of time or we've ever had any conversations, one of the things that I say is God is in the business of exceeding our expectations. And I firmly believe that. God wants to bless you greater than you can believe for. The challenge that we have is that we live in time. 
And so we're only on this earth for a short period of time. And God creates us with purpose. So in order to get us to his purpose, he's got to grow us to his purpose. Which means that he's got to challenge our faith. He's got to challenge our resolve. All of these things come, but he doesn't just leave us to our own. He partners with us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the word. He gives us the name of Jesus. We've got all of the power on the inside of us and so we're not left alone but we do have to grow up I can't tell you and I know all of your parents will be able to relate to me but I can't tell you the day it's like it's so glorious when you've said eight million times over the course of your life hey would you shut that light off when you leave a room The day they do it, it's like the greatest day. It's like, you actually shut the light off. It's a miracle. Take me home, Jesus. I'm ready to come. And sometimes I feel like that's a little bit like God with us. And sometimes he's just like, just stay steady. Just believe in me. Just confess my word. Just go to church. Just be with other believers. Get into a life group. Do the, and he's coaching us to do all of these things. And we're kind of going, do, do, do. It's kind of like the light switch. I hear him talking, but, you know, Lord, I got a pretty full schedule today. And when we finally press into God and when we finally, finally grow through these things that God has placed in our life. I feel like it's got to be a glorious and wonderful day for the Lord. But we've got to grow through those things. My expectations on my 26-year-old son is different now at 26 than when he was 15. And so it's the same way with us. God, God is trying to get you to your best life and your purpose and why he's placed you on planet earth because he wants to exceed your expectations. Amen? So listen, this morning, there's a plan of the enemy to destroy you. There's a plan by God to propel you And we're the ones who make the difference. We're the one who tips the balance one way or another. And my encouragement to you this morning is to press into God. To think about what he's doing in your life. And to respond to these things correctly. Listen, it's easy to blame God because God is a big target. But the truth of the matter is, is if he wouldn't kill two people and reset the earth, his love must be pretty fierce. His love must be pretty deep for us if he's not willing to do that. If he's willing to sacrifice his son because he loves people so much. And this is my encouragement to you this morning. And press into God. Cast the balance of power over to the Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for the the love 
that you pour out to each one of us. We're so grateful that, that you don't give up on us, that you don't cast us aside. But Lord, for each one of us, regardless of where we're at, your love is strong. Your plan for us is strong. Your hope that you're developing in us is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And Lord, I pray for anybody in here that's, that's hurting, that's going through things, that, that, that is at a point of, Lord, what do I do? Do I give up? Do I press forward? What do I do? Lord, I pray right now that you would place resolve in their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate the path before them. Lord, that you would challenge them to press into you this morning. And Lord, more than anything else, I pray that your peace would surround us. Lord, whatever our storm is, we thank you for that peace and for your love. And as we go from this place today, Lord, I pray that, that we would be challenged in your word to believe what you've said about us and to us. And Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.